How do you top that? <laughs> yeah, you don't. Just say amen and go home, right? Uh, Acts chapter 16 in your Bibles, if you would please. Acts chapter 16. Hopefully this morning I'll try not to make any, any major gaffes. <clears throat> Acts, yeah. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16. You know, an unfortunate reality of life is that each of us deal with difficulties. Um, difficulties come in all shapes, sizes, <clears throat> situations. They come as uh, individual events. They come as personal conflict sometimes. But probably the most difficult, difficult, <laughs> boy, that's a tough one to say, the hardest difficulties to deal with are the ones that come what we would call seasons of life where we have just a season of life that is just hard. But the reality is <clears throat> um, life happens and difficulties come. Uh, Jesus warned us and his disciples that difficulties would be a part of life. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Tribulations are coming, but we can have victory because he lives. I, I, perfect timing on that song. <clears throat> because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Um, I did not tell Ashley to pick that song for this morning. She just, she did it. But I believe that was God ordained because, <clears throat> because he lives. We can have victory over difficulties. Now, is it, are we going to, and I, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. Are we going, can we avoid difficulties? No, difficulties are a part of life. We cannot always control situations around us. But we can control how we respond to those situations. Uh, a quote that I have read here many, many times is, uh, and, and I, I tell people this all the time, I, I cannot control what other people think, say, and do. But I can control what I think, say, and do. Uh, <clears throat> Emerson Eggridge wrote this, your response is your responsibility. As humans, we tend to, when difficulties come, we tend to withdraw. Um, and I, I think it's a, it's a self-protection mechanism that we all, that we all have. And, and that when difficulties come, we tend to withdraw. The problem with that is when we withdraw, we are all by ourselves. And we have no help, if you would, in dealing with the difficulties when they come. But for a Christian, God has a different strategy for us. The strategy when difficult times come is that we have each other. An author once expressed it this way, 
concerning the marriage relationship. He said, when two lives uh, unite as one, every joy is doubled and every sorrow is cut in half. Now, that, that the context of what he's writing there is on the marriage uh, <clears throat> relationship, but the, the same principle can be applied to the church. When we have each other to go through difficult times, we can help soften the blow, can we not? And we can help carry the burdens. Just this morning, I had, I had two um, very... Uh, How do I want to say without giving away their identities? I had two people come to me that are carrying heavy burdens this morning and asked me to pray. And by doing that, what are we doing when we do that? We help carry the burden. The first century church you know, oftentimes we, we, we forget, I believe, sometimes that the, the first century church was a church that had a lot of problems. They were dealing with some, some major difficulties in the very first century, in the, in the first century church. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, uh, <clears throat> Yet if any man suffer as, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him suffer... Uh, but let him glory in God on this behalf. The church, the first century church, depending on where the churches were, but most of the first century churches were under heavy persecution. Heavy persecution. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 19, just a couple of verses later, he says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God uh, commit the keeping of their souls to him in the in in well doing as unto a faithful creator now i want you to focus in on one well actually three words three words in this verse are absolutely key to this message and that is right here will of god the will of God, if you can live in the, in the middle of the will of God, does not mean that you're going to be exempt from troubles. The title of my message is this, Striving Together Through Difficulties. Striving Together Through Difficulties. I believe that that is the strategy that God has for the New Testament church that we as a church family, as we as a, a body of believers bear the burdens of each other. We're going to look at, and this, this message is going to be a multiple week message right here. Okay, so uh, that you're just getting part one of probably three or so messages. <clears throat> now, I do want to say, let me stop and give you a little commercial here. Um, next week, I, I next week, uh, <clears throat> if everything works out, okay. Um, uh, one of my professors that, uh, taught me in college is supposed to be here, uh, next week. Uh, so he'll be preaching in the morning. 
uh, if he's able to get here. Uh, so I just kind of thought I'd throw that in there because <clears throat> uh, his name's Joel Spencer. Uh, he he uh, <clears throat> is in California visiting his mom. So if he's able to get here, uh, he's supposed to be preaching for us next week. So I uh, just thought I'd throw that commercial out there. But anyway, so <clears throat> this this morning... I want to examine three ways that we can strive together. Three ways that we can strive together through difficulties. Let's start reading in Acts <clears throat> chapter 16 and verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to pray, prayer, a certain damsel possessed of a spirit of uh, divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, um, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ <clears throat> to come out of her. And he came out the, uh, out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of her gains were gone, uh, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them unto the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being romans and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them and when they had laid many stripes upon them they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. I am so thankful and grateful for all that you do. And Lord, we just ask as we look at your word that you would challenge our thinking that you would change our thinking if necessary and help us to understand the importance of leaning on others. We are truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In order to understand, now, now let me... Let, well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, I keep wanting to do that. <clears throat> In order to understand what we just read, we need to understand one other thing. <clears throat> and the only way we can do that is by backing up and reading the verses that preceded the ones that we just read. Look at verse nine. <clears throat> and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia praying him, saying, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately he was endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuring, uh, assuredly gathering 
that the Lord hath called us uh, for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came uh, with a straight course to Samothrace. Uh, yeah, you got it. Uh, and the next day, uh, Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by the riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and she she sat down and spake, excuse me, and we sat down and spake unto a woman which uh, resorted thither. Uh, and uh, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, "If we have judged, uh, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there." And she constrained us. And then verse 16 is where we read earlier, and it came to pass in prayer a certain woman and a damsel, and so on and so forth. So, how did Paul and 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 Silas end up in prison? They, they ended up in prison by following the will of God. Point number one this morning, their path. Let's look at their path because their path is important. We all have choices that we make, do we not? And those, those choices dictate the path that we will go down. Some of our choices are selfish, are they not? Some of them are, are, are hard. We, we, we choose to do the hard things sometimes. Sometimes we choose to do the easy things. Sometimes we, we choose to follow the will of God. Sometimes we choose to not follow the will of God. It is the path that we choose. Now, Paul and Silas very clearly chose to follow the will of God for their lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, it says, Enter ye in the straight way, excuse me, the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go thereby, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Paul and Silas as we, as we look at this passage, we're going to see some very important principles about decision-making. Because decision-making, is, is not decision-making critical to our ability to walk with God? What we choose dictates whether we walk with God or we do not walk with God. And so we're going to look at Paul, uh, Paul and Silas's uh, uh decision-making in, in this process here. So letter A, as we look at their pathway, they wanted God's plan. Uh, look, at, look at verse 6 of our passage. Uh, and, and when they had gone through uh, Phrygia uh, and the region of Galatia, 
uh, and were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, they were come to Messiah, and they essayed to go to uh, Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Messiah and came to Troas. In verse 9 that we read a moment ago, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. What was, what, was, what was taking place in the life of Paul and Silas? They had come to a place in their lives where they, they were not certain which way to go. And instead of just picking one and going, they prayed and asked God for wisdom. And as they said, okay, let's try this, and, and God closed that door. And they said, okay, well, let's try this way. And God closed that door. And then Paul had a vision from the guy of, from Macedonia saying, come and help. So Paul said, okay, that is the will of God. So that's the direction we're going to go. See, they, they wanted the will of God for their lives. Paul and Silas were exactly where God wanted them to be when they were put in prison. Sometimes it's easy to ask the question, why? Why? I, 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 I've asked that question myself. I, I, believing in my heart that where I am at that, at that time, I am exactly where God wants me to be. But in the midst of struggles, is it not normal to ask God, why am I going through this? Let me illustrate it to you this way. I don't know if you keep up with the news, but I, I, I have heard because of being a pastor, I, I hear things probably some of you that maybe don't, but I've heard of three pastors in Canada that have been in prison in the, in the last year, maybe two. the primary reason that they've been imprisoned is because they violated government censorship. Preaching the Bible. Actually, to verify this, uh, I, uh, a friend of mine told me just, just recently that when he was a pastor in Canada, that he would periodically get warning letters from the government telling him what he was allowed to preach and what he was not allowed to preach, threatening him with imprisonment if he did. Now, <clears throat> why do I tell you this? Number one, I'm, I'm telling you this for, for two reasons. Number one, <clears throat> uh, persecution is real. And Canada is right next door. Okay? So, so it's coming. Okay? In fact, it's already in, in the works. Uh, the second reason I, I, I'm telling you this is these pastors are exactly where God wants them. Now, try and wrap your head around that. that that's tough. See, 
just because we are in the will of God does not prevent us from having to go through difficult times. Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> Question. Do you think Paul and Silas may have been wondering why? I, I, I think so. I mean, if I was in the in a Roman prison, and, and trust me, Roman prisons are nothing like the ones we have in Nevada. Okay, just saying. <clears throat> yeah, there was no cable TV. <clears throat> Do you think that Canadian prison, the, the Canadian pastors sitting in Canadian prisons, are asking the question why? Absolutely. Do you think it is abnormal for you and me to ask why when difficulties come? No, it's not abnormal. It's perfectly normal. But what we need to ask ourselves, am I on the path that God has chosen for my life? Am I in the middle of God's will for my life? That's the question we need to be asking. Look, look at look at verse twenty five. This this is this is, a, this is an amazing verse. Verse twenty five. Well, let, let's read verse twenty four. Um, Who, having received such uh, such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse twenty five. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them there's something wrong with them boys just saying here here they'd been beaten throwing it not not just thrown into prison but it identifies it as the inner prison probably what would we would call the dungeon cold damp nasty rat infested and what are they doing they're sitting there singing praises to god and giving glory to God for their situation. Paul and Silas found strength in the midst of difficulty. You and I can find strength in the midst of difficulty as long as we're in the center of God's will for our lives. James, the half-brother of Jesus, knew firsthand difficulties. He wrote in James chapter 1, verses 2, two to 4, my, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting Nothing. Do you want nothing in your life? Wouldn't you love to reach the, the point in your life where you want nothing? Well, understand that God is going to do a work in your heart and your life. Paul and Silas are a great example. Here these guys were sitting in a prison and they were praising God and singing, singing, just having a good old time in the midst of all of that. They were more concerned about the will of God for their lives than they were their own comforts. 
difficulties still come. But how do you respond? Paul and Silas, you see the response that Paul and Silas have. So, point number one, or letter A. <clears throat> they wanted God's plan. No, letter B, let's, let's talk about they wanted God's purpose for their lives. Look at verse 16. And it came to pass, uh, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, <coughs> <clears throat> which brought her uh, master much gain by soothsaying. And the same uh, followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, uh, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul uh, began uh, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Not only was this young lady possessed with a demon, but she was a slave. She was owned by these men. This young lady was set free. She was set free. And as I sat and I, I read this and I started thinking about it, I thought, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know about you. But I would rather be in the prison that Paul and Silas were in than the prison that this young damsel was in. Because she was in prison too. Most of you know that I, when things are normal... Uh, I, I have the privilege of ministering out at the Lovelock prison once a month. And I know several men uh, in that prison that have been set free from the chains of darkness. I have had them tell me this. I've, I've had multiple men tell me this. I may be in prison, but I've been set free. I'm freer in here than I was out there. That's what they tell me. That's an incredible thought. There's a there let me put it to you there's there's a there's a lot of ways to live in prison. And the choices we make will dictate what kind of prison we would decide to live in. Look at verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, uh, whose heart the Lord openeth, opened, and she uh, attended unto the, uh, unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Uh, Lydia, Lydia was saved and baptized, and her whole family was converted to Jesus Christ. Uh, this, this young lady's life, the, the one who was possessed, her life was changed, and Paul Paul was preaching the gospel to the point where, uh, look at verse 20, it says, And they brought uh, them to the, to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. They were, they were preaching the gospel, and it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was making a difference in the lives of people. 
they were right in the middle of the will of God. This week I was, <clears throat> I, I, I talked to a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, and he challenged me with a thought. And I want to, I, I want to, to the best of my ability, I tried to quote what he, what he said to me. He said, he said, Rick, he said, <clears throat> a thought came to me recently. This is, this is, this is the quote. He says, I was challenged <clears throat> with this thought. If my church were to close its doors tomorrow, would the city that I live in miss it? Would we leave a hole in our community or would people say, yeah, I think there used to be a church over there. And as I pondered that thought, God started working in my heart and my life with this thought. If Grace Baptist Church were to close its doors tomorrow, would the city of Fernley miss us? Would we leave a hole in the community or would people say, yeah, I think there used to be a church over by the bowling alley, I think. Think about that. But the reality is this. When we as a church strive together through difficulties, we can not only make a difference in, in, in each other's lives, but we can make a difference in the lives of people all around us. I don't know if you realize it or not. I'm sure you do. But there are a lot of hurting people in the city of Fernley that need to be set free. And they can only do that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. People that are in prison and they don't even know it. We should look at every appointment as a divine appointment. Because I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that God is in control. As we allow, one of the, one of the difficulties that we as human beings have is, is that we allow past hurts to keep us from moving forward. And, and, and that, that, I, I'm not making an excuse here, but that's just human nature. But we cannot allow that. Paul Paul wrote in Philippians chapter three verses thirteen and fourteen, brethren, I count it all, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things are which which are behind, I reach forth to those things which are before, I press to the prize to the to the, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What 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 was Paul saying here? You know, I, have, I haven't figured everything out. I, I don't have all the answers. But one answer I do have, I need to forget the past. Well, let, let me rephrase. He's not saying forget the past. He's saying don't live in the past. I can't live in the past if I'm going to move forward. 
Out of, out of all the things that I've learned, I've learned that. I have to put the past behind me in order to move forward. And so often, and I see it all the time, so often people get hurt and they get bitter and they allow that bitterness to, to, to fester and it will absolutely destroy a person. We can't live like that. Paul and Silas wanted God's purpose for their lives. If you were to walk out into the parking lot and turn around and look at the windows of our church and even on our gospel tracks, we, we have a little slogan out there. I don't know if you've ever, ever noticed it. Hopefully you have. It says this. It says, Grace Baptist Church, loving God, growing together, serving others. And I personally think that Grace Baptist Church does a good job at the first two, loving God and growing together. But I think we can do a better job of loving others. I think we can all do a better job of that. So, their path. They wanted God's plan. They wanted God's purpose. And then thirdly, they were living in God's providence. And, and you may think that that's a strange word, but I picked that word on purpose. That word is a... Well, let, let, let's look at verse 19. And when her master saw that the hope of her gain was gone, they cut Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. Paul and Silas's lives were about to change drastically. They were doing the will of God. They were, they, they were, they were exactly where God wanted them. They were fulfilling God's purpose for their lives. But yet the providence of God was going to take them down a different road. In their thinking, a different road, but in God's, it was the same road. Let, let's look at this word providence. It's a, it's a compound word. The first, the first part of the word, the word pro, P-R-O, means beforehand. The second half of the word is, is uh, it, it comes from the, the, the word video, which means to view. So when you put those two words together, um, to, it means to, to view beforehand or to be able to see into the future. In other words, when we live under God's providence, like Paul and Silas were doing, we can have the confidence that he can view or that he knows the future and that he's in control. Why can I face tomorrow? Because he lives. When we know what God wants us to do, his plan for our lives, when we know that, and when we want to do his purpose for our lives, his plan, then we can trust that he holds the future. 
Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I know who holds the future. If there has ever been any person that has lived on the face of the earth that was confused about the will of God, it would be Job. I told you I would get there. <laughs> Job, this poor guy, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, when we get to heaven, Job's one of the ones I'm going to look up. If for no other reason, just say, man, I I feel so bad for you. But you know what? Job walked with God. In Job chapter 23, verse 8 through 10, the Bible says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. In other words, what is Job saying? <clears throat> Every direction I turn, I know God's there, but I can't see him. You ever felt like that? I know I have. What does Job go on to say? but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That, my friend, is a man of faith. Somebody who is going through the trials of life, and Job went through the trials, did he not? You think you got it bad. And I know, I know people in this room who are going through some pretty, pretty, pretty tough things. But Job went through some horrific things. Absolutely horrific things. And near the end, in, in chapter 23, what is he able to say? You know what? I, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I, I look to my right. I look to my, my left. I look forward. I look back. I, I don't know what God's doing, but I know this. He is doing something and that he is in control. And when we are in the midst of difficulties, most of the time, we cannot see what God is doing. But God has given us an incredible plan that's called the local church, that we can carry each other's burdens, that we can be there for each other, and that we can help each other through difficult times and remind each other, hey, look, I don't know what God's doing either, but I'm going to be here for you. That's God's plan. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. At the beginning, I, I told you something that I tell a lot of people, and that is I cannot control what other people think, say, and do, but I can control what I think, say, and do. See, my, my response is my responsibility. 
And how, how I respond to difficult situations will dictate a lot of things. But when we can share those burdens together, like Paul and Silas, we can help lighten the load, carry the burden. Paul and Silas wanted God's plan. They wanted God's purpose, and they <clears throat> understood God's providence. God is in control. If Grace Baptist Church were to close its doors tomorrow, would the town of Fernley miss it? Would we leave a hole in our community or would people simply say, I think there used to be a church over by the bowling alley. As I sat and pondered that question, God made it very personal to me. And as I sat and I thought, I, I rewrote it this way. If God were to take me home tomorrow, would my city miss me? Would my life leave a hole in the community? Or would people say, you know, I think I used to know somebody named Rick. What's your life look like this morning? We all have challenges. And, and I, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of anybody's challenges because I know some of the burdens and challenges people are, are carrying right now are enormous. I can't imagine, I can't imagine having to do it. But I can say this. Number one, God is in control. Number two, you have a church that loves you and wants to help carry the burden. And number three, we have a community to reach that needs to be set free. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day.